today was Purim. It's a Jewish holiday where people dress up. And I found myself dressing up as burnout. And I just had like this insight of how like I really believe when I strive to be joyful and to have joy in my life, it's not about being in a complete constant state of joy every single second. It's about having enough instances of joy throughout my day or my year or my life. And then I can consider myself grateful and joyful. And the same thing goes for burnout. Being burnt out doesn't mean that you don't experience joy, even though it could be a symptom of that. But if you catch it when you have lots of instances of burnout, then that could probably make a difference. It's not like I don't experience burnout, but I'm not worried that I will continue burning out because I already have some habits in place. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Chedva Klein-Learn. Yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Yeah, so that was me a week or two ago, uh, leaving a message for Amelia, our amazing producer and editor of this podcast. And if you've been listening to this podcast, it looks like work, you might have noticed uh, we've had six episodes with six amazing guests. We just pretty much had conversations about life and work and everything in between. How did they build their work life? How did it uh, work with their values and with their priorities and with their mental health? And did they experience things like burnout um, or just shifting priorities or a sense of something not working and how did they deal with it? Um And one thing that Amelia told me, which really resonated with me was, hey, like you kept asking for these six episodes that were all recorded uh, quite some time ago, over a year ago. You kept asking your guests uh, about burnout. It could be interesting to hear why. So so this is it. This is uh, the the episode between episodes where we talk a little bit about that and Maybe you hear a little bit more of my voice. We'll also talk to some of my amazing team at Rooms and Words later on uh, and hear some of their thoughts and their experiences. Um, And hopefully it resonates or it makes you feel a little bit less alone or it brings up some thoughts for you or feelings. Uh, Hopefully good ones. Uh, I hope it's not triggering for anyone uh, in a in a bad way. Uh, And I would love to hear those thoughts. So feel free to ping me um, on any social platform or on my newsletter. It looks like work. It's chadva.substack.com. I would really, really like to hear 
your thoughts and feelings about this. Okay, so let's start. So to start, let me uh, read a tweet that I've been reading for uh, all six episodes so far and asking yes about it. And this is a tweet by someone I don't know. Uh, her name is Katie Leeson, but it really re- resonated with me and it's moved me in a way, major way uh, that made me really want to hear what people think about it. We're not about the tweet necessarily so much as, as the topic. So Katie Leeson tweet, tweeted quite a while ago. She says, we need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. The absence of sleep, good diet, exercise, relaxation, and time with friends and family isn't something to be applauded. Too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, and it needs to change. So this really resonated with me. I think it did does with a lot of people. Uh, but for me, burnout is definitely something, or at least overworking is definitely something that I've been wearing uh, as a badge of honor for... The majority of my career, which is already at least 15 years, is someone who came from a family and a community where most women didn't have access to higher education or to working outside the home, having the opportunity to work and to work hard and to bring in money and to be not only that, but to be uh, the breadwinner. That has been literally a badge of honor. And that paired with my elder sister personality, well, let's say that it's it really worked both to my advantage and to my disadvantage, I guess, depending on how you see it. And it really caused me, kind of propelled me Overworking begot even more overworking. And you might hear as I'm speaking that I'm short of breath, but I am, I'm a person who has autoimmune diseases. So I had alopecia, uh, which is now in the news, uh, thanks to the whole Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, Chris Rock debacle, which I won't be getting too much into, but I have had alopecia since I was seven. Uh, And while it's a mostly cosmetic uh, autoimmune disease, basically, I don't have any hair uh, and I have been wearing wigs uh, since I I was nine, two years after I lost my hair. Also, like having an autoimmune disease does a lot of things to your body. And a few years ago, I was diagnosed with Graves disease, which is already an autoimmune disease that has much more impact on my well-being Uh, my mental health, my capacity to work and to overwork, and just the way that I experience life. Uh, So to give you some context, I have flare-ups once every few years, which I'm very lucky to be balanced most of the time, um, where I experience hyperthyroid or hypothyroid, hands that are shaking, very quick and strong heart rate, Um, stuff like that. So I'm currently experiencing one of those flare-ups. I feel very grateful and lucky that it's not a very serious one and that I 
it's under control. I have amazing doctors. Um, I have an amazing acupuncturist. I have a lot of help. I'm very privileged. Uh, but it definitely is something that is um, that has made me stop for periods in my life and in my career. That has made me stop and just either completely stop in, in some serious cases or just slow the heck down. And also to rethink a lot of things because uh, a lot of these diseases are stress-related in one way or another, which is a whole, uh, you know, it's a whole another topic of speaking of like stress-related uh, diseases. When we're saying they're stress-related, are we just putting the blame even more so on the people affected by them or not? But let's not get into that. <laughs> I feel like let's get into that at a different time when I am less <laughs> but in any case I think like one of the major times that I kind of like really stopped on my tracks and started thinking about burnout and just like the capacity the sheer mental and physical capacity for overwork has been as I've been diagnosed for the first time in, in the end, uh, the beginning of 2019 with, um, with hyperthyroid and with Graves' disease. And I was feeling very unwell. Uh, I was experiencing a lot of symptoms and I was in the, in the middle of raising money for my startup. And later on, um, a year later, just before COVID, uh, I've experienced very bad symptoms with my eyes and I had to uh, take a steroid IV course uh, of four months. So once a week, I had to go into the hospital and and get a, a, a steroid IV. And you know what? In the first week, I just scheduled a meeting for an hour after the treatment. I, I just couldn't see a world where that would stop me. Um, and guess what? It didn't work. It didn't work because I wasn't well enough to do a meeting an hour after the treatment. And I wasn't even well enough to like really be out of and about two days later. It really made me stop. And um, I, I remember... I remember moments of sitting there with the IV drip, you know, in my arm and thinking, you know, how hard is hard enough? Um, you know, this amazing uh, quote uh, that was said, you know, <laughs> cynically uh, about a Senator Elizabeth Warren, nevertheless, she persisted. That has been like something I live by. But I, I really remember sitting there the IV drip in my arm and saying like, how, how much persistence is too much persistence? So that has been something that has been with me for a while now. And a few months later, like I, I, I finished my steroid course just a few short weeks before the first COVID lockdown. And while the lockdown was devastating globally for the world, and also for me personally, it, it's led to me having to close, uh, shut down my beloved startup, which I viewed as like another baby of mine. It was also, okay, everyone is stopping now. So 
you have no other choice. You have to stop too. And then, oh, wow, I get to stop now. So grief and relief were mixed in in an impossible mixture, but relief was definitely there. And as you may have heard in my message to Amelia, that has been something that has been on my mind ever since. And listen, I stopped for a very short while. Two months later, I started uh, my business, Rooms and Words, my content marketing strategy agency. And we've been going strong ever since, knock on wood. We've been, we, we grew, we doubled our team just this last month. But still, even in super, super hectic months like this, like March, which just passed, I put guides in place to protect me and my team, by the way, from burning out the way that I have in the past. So let's talk about that. I believe... This is something that I always say. I believe that joy is not a continuum. It's not just a state that you need to expect to stay the same all the time. Because that's like a huge expectation. I think like just the judgment, just judging yourself. Am I joyful at every single time? Just that would suck the joy out of any person. But I believe that if you are living a life that has all the different feelings, right? Joy and sorrow, grief and fun and playfulness and anger and sadness and, you know, everything in between. But inside that, in between, you know, sprinkled, sparkled, (laughs) uh, you have enough tiny moments of joy. They don't have to be huge, but enough tiny sprinkles of joy seeded or sprinkled throughout your life, then I think that's a joyful life, right? Do you agree? Like, actually, I would love to hear if you agree or not, but that's how I live my life. And most of the time, by the way, even in the hardest um, um, times of my life and and I have experienced some hard times if you've asked me um are you happy are you joyful I would say yeah I I would say I'm happy because um I don't I don't expect to be happy every single second and moment of the day but if I have enough happiness and enough joy sprinkled throughout then then I consider myself very happy and very lucky indeed and I think the same goes for burnout or something, even if it's not exactly the same, it's pretty similar. I would say if you are drained, even not 100% of the time, but you have this sense of drain and dread and burnout enough of the time, then even if it's not burnout, it's a real red flag. And we should be aware of it. That's why I'm saying, like, I think every time I caught myself uh, being burnt out up until two years ago, it was too late. It was when I was really burnt out. 
And I think one thing that I learned from this is just to catch it when it's like, just like I said about joy, when it's enough, when it's occupies enough of my time, enough of my capacity, enough of my mental space. And this is something I really try. I don't know if I succeed. Maybe, you know, you may talk to people on my team or people who've worked with me. Maybe you'll hear something completely different. And if that's the case, then I'm truly sorry for that. But at least I know that I'm trying to catch it and to see like, hey, what are the red flags? Or what are the red flags even before the red flags? How could we put some boundaries in place? How could we make sure that even if there are some tasks that are draining, and there will be tasks that are draining because we live in a real life and we will need to deal with stuff that is reality. Uh, and there is no job with a, where 100% of the job is just amazing, fun stuff to do, right? But how can we balance it, you know? And balance, again, I know, just like joy, just like burnout, I don't feel like balance is a, an absolute situation. I feel like it's that practice of trying and of being cognizant of just, you know, for any draining moment, trying to also find a joyful and playful and creative moment. And this is what I'm trying to do right now with myself and with my team too. So... With that, let's break for a conversation uh, with some of my amazing team. So just to give you a little bit of context, um, we are a global uh, content marketing and strategy agency working with tech startups. You can see it all on our website at roomsandwords.com. And our amazing team consists of eight amazing uh, team members across Israel the U.S., Canada, South Africa, uh, and Dubai. And in this conversation, we have Lauren, our amazing project manager, Michal, our amazing writer in Israel. And just at the end, we have Navridi from New York, also our amazing writer, jumping in. So let's hear that. We're recording this. Can you believe it? So we're here with Lauren Turner, our amazing product manager at Rooms and Words, and Michal Shemesh. Is it Michal Shemesh the winter or Michal Shemesh? Michal Shemesh. Michal Shemesh, <laughs> which means uh, sun, which is very, very befitting, uh, who is our amazing writer here in Israel out of our global digital nomad group. And... Me, your host, who's out of breath and having a graves flare up, Chedva uh, Kleinhandler with my unpronounceable name. So anyway, we're gathered here today for a special episode. Up until now, all of our six episodes that went live were pre-recorded, not only pre-recorded, but pre-recorded a very long time in advance, more than a year, with some amazing guests. Uh, from all across different fields of entrepreneurship, design, tech, poetry, um, research, who all shared with us uh, how they look at their work life and their life life, their values, things that they've experienced like burnout, identity, and how everything meshes together and at least looks like work. 
But I thought before we move on to another batch of guests, it's a good idea for us to just have an internal conversation among us and talk about it. Talk about what works for us. Uh, how do we experience it? How have we formed and fluctuated in our work lives uh, to avoid or to struggle or to or to make the most of every every second of it, how to deal with burnout, how to kind of put together our work identities. And I think it's especially interesting because not necessarily because of what we do, even though it's really interesting to me, we're a content marketing agency that is really global and asynchronous, but also because each and every one of us comes from a different world, a different location, a different world of experience and professions. So let's start actually uh, with Lauren. Uh, Lauren, you're still fresh and you've just joined us almost two months ago from the world of education. Yeah, which I think has got a pretty high rate of burnout, Um, along with all those kinds of fields where it's quite altruistic, um, social work, uh, healthcare, education, and now I'm in uh, in this freelance world, which you, which people would automatically assume you have a better work life balance. But those boundaries between your home and work, you you have to define those for yourself and set those boundaries, and then work within your own home is work. And so then the lines blur even more. Of am I working? Have I been productive today? Have I done anything? Um, so it can be definitely a struggle and a constant reminder every day to work at it. Uh, scheduling is important. Um, connections are important. Boundaries, routine, uh, health, fitness, diet. It's all holistic. It's all interconnected. Yoga. <laughs> yoga. Love me my yoga every day. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point because uh, a lot of times when people struggle with burnout, kind of the easy way out is just to switch a profession, switch an industry, right? I have in like one of my many previous careers, I remember doing uh, marketing for lifestyle businesses. Many of them were led by or owned by women and were like very small businesses. And many of them were women who struggled with burnout or work-life balance or even just diversity and all of that in tech and then decided to start something off their own only to find out that, yeah, when they kind of uh, write the rule book, maybe there are less problems with diversity and inclusion, but being burnt out or finding and creating your work-life balance can still be pretty intense. Uh, so I think whatever we do, we will still, you know, wherever we go, we still need to face ourselves. So wherever we do and whatever we work at, we still need to face those questions. And how you also had your own interesting journey and you just became a mom very recently. What are your thoughts on, on these matters? I, it's interesting because like in my work life, I have found myself getting burnt out, but then as a mom, as a new mom, uh, for a tiny baby, it's, it, it's become more difficult. It, it really, um, 
I, I burn out quite easily if I don't take care of myself, if I don't ask for help, if I don't like have my mom or, or somebody else babysit um, and take the baby away from me for a few hours so I can just like eat or sleep or shower and the struggle with breastfeeding, which is um, for me was an interesting journey to, to really discover my place with it and how like setting the boundaries there and kind of saying like this, this deciding kind of choosing my benefit am I choosing it over my baby's benefit is it like actually benefiting my baby if I'm taking care of myself first um so yeah it's a it's a it's really complex way more than work I feel because like in work it's very can be really clear it's so true and I think uh what's kind of shared between those things is that you can change a lot of your circumstances But at the end of the day, you still have to kind of grapple with those questions or those um, issues like shame. And I think in motherhood or in health or in many situations like that, it's so tangible, right? Yeah. Guilt and shame. Guilt. Identity crises from many of many uh, types, right? At the end of the day, we still need to find the skills of how to deal with it, no matter what our location is or our profession and, you know, what we deal deal with specifically, what kind of documents we write or where do we go to uh, for our office, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It just makes me wonder, is you've, you've got support, right, Michal? Yeah. And that's so amazing. What, how does a person even start to create boundaries or... Or go through that when they don't even have that support. Honestly, that boggles my mind because I have so many friends who don't have support because I have such a huge support system and it's amazing. I like, I'm I'm really thankful. For instance, that I moved to Israel from the Netherlands because there I had virtually no support. I don't know how I would have handled it there. That's exactly what I'm thinking, putting myself in your shoes, but in my life as an expat and someone who's been an expat for 10 years and South Africa, I'm South African. It's very, very far away to anywhere I've ever lived. This is the closest I've ever lived to home, but still I don't have my family and my long life friends. And how do you make that work? I, it's that boggles my mind. I really don't know. Yeah, I really don't I know. I know that women do it, but I don't, I don't yeah, know. But they're burnt out, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's also like we try to um, tell ourselves that we're so much more sophisticated and complicated than women or just plainly human beings uh, like centuries ago. But, you know, those age-old sayings of it takes a village, it really yeah. does. It really and I does. do think, and I have seen, friends who do it without that support and and I'm like awestruck at them but I think it's no matter like if you do it with the support or not a lot of it is again going back to loving yourself and saying like you don't need to expect from yourself something that is really overboard like it is okay and when COVID started I was badly burnt out (laughs) from uh, my tech startup, which I loved and was like 
it was also very much driven by values and like a vision. It wasn't only business. So I was super driven by it, but I also was driven into burnout. And the first lockdown was almost like, hey, like now the entire world is made to stop and I can maybe, even though I don't want to, but, but I can maybe tell myself, yeah, you have no other choice, but actually stop and breathe. And there was kind of grief mixed with relief. Oh, wow. I can actually (laughs) stop and breathe. And I was actually talking about it with my therapist today. And she said like, because she said something, she, she works with uh, this method called Satya. And one of the things that they believe is that if you are in a place, that means you have chosen to be there. So you might you might be like already preparing to choose otherwise, but right now you've chosen to be there. And I was like, hey, that's like a really not nice thing to say. When I came to you before we shut down the startup, do you think I chose to be burnt out? And she said, yes, you chose to have struggle in your life. And now you're choosing to have that struggle in your life. And while it was very hard to hear it, um, I was like, you know what? It makes sense. (laughs) That's what a good therapist or a good friend or a good family is there for. Because it's honestly unconscious tunnel vision. Yeah, for sure. And also sometimes it's not that you choose the hardship. It's just that... um, the circumstances that you choose for other reasons also come with that. But my question is, okay, so let's say we chose it or maybe we didn't have much choice but to choose it. Now, how can we be just nice to ourselves about it and not expect the impossible from ourselves? Being vulnerable with yourself, being okay to let go, being okay to ask for help, being realistic with yourself and just setting up more realistic expectations yeah do you think anything changed for you in that regard because of the last year two years uh lauren like have you felt any shift in the way you kind of view these things it's funny you in the beginning of COVID for you you got to breathe because the world stopped and your tech startup it you had to just Take a, take a breath, take a moment. And I think what happened in black and white, and nothing's ever black and white, the world is gray, but I think a large portion of people either got pushed to burn out because of COVID or the exact opposite, just depending on what field you were in. So earlier I spoke about all your altruistic fields, healthcare, education, we were all pushed to burnout and a lot of other people who had to now be taken to three days um, of work a week uh, or unfortunately maybe even got let go, they had time to devote to other things and to themselves and to take a breath. And for me, that's when I experienced burnout for the first time because I came from education, but education of little ones so we don't teach with PowerPoints and, <laughs> and lots of, you know, computers. It's very hands-on. It's very um, basic and, and concrete when you're working with five and six and seven and eight-year-olds. And so all of a sudden we had to digitize a classroom and make it virtual when it's only ever been 
and should be hands-on. And we had to build that from scratch and get super creative. And luckily, there were so many resources coming out from this pandemic that helped us. But it was a massive undertaking. And there were just days where we were working 11, 12 hours a day easily. And so that's when I experienced burnout for the first time. And and maybe that's, I didn't choose it. it it's what for happened. Sure. Um, but it's then I chose massive, to leave. A massive <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. A massive yeah. plague. Yeah. Yeah. But then I chose to to get out of that field. But that had been coming for a long time. And I feel like the pandemic and, and the experience through that was just a push off a cliff of which I had been standing at the edge of for a very long time. So it was good. Like a shove that accelerated everything. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Like it, from my direction as well, it was like I could let myself slowly burn out because I, I didn't want to make the choice of like leaving my, you know, my company, my baby that I loved and believed in. But that was like a massive shove in that direction. Uh, and I can only imagine like being a parent, knowing what we went through, and even with my son, who was much older than those ages, I can only imagine what teachers like and people in education like you went through with a group of kids who were much younger. How was it for you, Mikhail? Did you feel like that these two years clarified, like crystallized anything about burnout? Yeah, actually... So two things. One, I really resonate with what you said about like, finally the world kind of stopped. And I felt like I had been living in trying to bridge the gap between me and the world. And all of a sudden the world stopped. So I was like, awesome. Now I can like move in my own like (laughs) sweet pace. (laughs) So the other thing was that it was my dream, like literally lifelong dream to work remotely. And the pandemic just made it happen. Like it made it so common. Yeah, and accessible. Yeah, that it just became like, oh, okay, cool. So all of a sudden, all these remote jobs came about that weren't there. All my friends started working remotely. And I was like, huh, this could actually work for me. This could actually happen for me. It's not like something that's impossible. Actually feasible. Yeah. yeah. So both of you have moved so much in recent years. Have you felt any difference culturally as like with guards that are in place in order to like uh, guard your uh, work-life balance, uh, avoid burnout, all of that? Yeah, like you were in the Netherlands and now you're in Israel. Lauren was in Indonesia, South Africa, now in Dubai. Culturally for me, it doesn't matter where I go. I mean, you, you are you. And uh, I think I've been lucky to be, to have been an expat um, in Asia and particularly Southeast Asia for quite a while, where the lifestyle is very tropical, and very hot and very island and everything is slowly, slowly. And, and, and that's amazing. And I think if you find yourself in an environment geographically that is not aligned with that, you need to just fork out that space for yourself and stand strong with it. And, and if it, it doesn't work and you have an option to change it, change it. That is um, so interesting. I now wish, now I want to move to wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Navriti. Hi, Navriti. We're talking about cultural differences that have to do with work-life balance and uh, burnout and all of that. So, Mikhail, did, did you have anything you wanted to say? 
I feel like the Dutch, as a general rule, have a better work-life balance than Israelis. So working for Dutch people was always somewhat easier, especially like in a nine-to-five job. I can't really say for others. But yeah, with regards to freelancing and working like we do, they don't do that really well. They're not that flexible, I find, as a, as a, as a rule. But yeah, I mainly met with uh, or connected with uh, expats in the Netherlands. So I feel like they um, often had this like Americans or English people, uh, just like I felt like they would mainly be closer to the Israeli work ethic where you work constantly 24-7. Yeah, I have read uh, a few years ago that Israelis work um, almost the longest hours, I think maybe second only to Japanese, uh, but also have (laughs) virtually the worst output. (laughs) Really? Actually, that makes sense because if you work so hard... You're always tired. You're not fresh enough to produce create like your your output burns out literally yeah also i find that sitting in an office for nine hours or eight hours a day creates a lot of like burnout in itself because you don't actually work the majority of that time you just spend kind of waiting for the time to to go by (laughs) and just like for your time to leave the office that's my experience anyway but i feel like the more kind of the more focused you are the less time you work the more effective you are with your work that makes sense uh really any thoughts yeah I think um there is a connection here with burnout and culture I know here in the states it's become by company now how many hours are expected of all their employees to work you know I know the last company that I was working full time with, they they had clear boundaries. They were like, look, we don't expect you to log on before 10. And we also don't expect you to work beyond 530. And if that's... That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it also helped just having those, that common understanding, it helped um, the employees, you know, just like not hold it against each other because some would work longer hours than that, you know, but it's like, well, you can't expect your teammate to work as long as you do because now that becomes a personal choice after 5.30. That is such a good point. The expectation thing is really the main thing. Thank you all for joining me and we'll definitely do more of these. All right, thank you. Okay, coming back. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation. So before we go, I want to really recommend, I feel like I've already recommended this in our newsletter, which you are very welcome to check out on Substack at chedva.substack.com. But I want to talk about it here. So two books that I would want to highly, highly recommend are uh, the following. So one is Can't Even, uh, which is a genius name for a book about burnout. And it's by Anne Helen Peterson, who is an internet writer and creator and all around phenomenon who I've been following for years and years. And I consume everything that she writes and I couldn't uh, recommend it enough. 
and she writes a lot about Renaud. This was just her first foray into that, but definitely check out uh, her other books and articles and Substack newsletter as well. And the second one is an amazing book called Burnout, very <laughs> straight into the point, by two sisters who are also uh, amazing professionals. And this has been a revelation. It's been on my bookshelf for almost a year. And some of my best friends, hey, Flat, also recommended uh, it multiple times, but I only got to reading it a few weeks ago. And one of the biggest revelations there was something that they called the human giver syndrome. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but definitely look for that piece of the book, the human giver syndrome, how some humans are considered human beings. Some other parts of humanity are only considered human givers. And what does that mean for burnout? I really highly, highly, highly recommend that. I would also want to point you uh, to a few other articles that we'll link in the show notes. One is about the seven types of rest that each of us needs, uh, which was kind of a, really an aha moment for me. Like you'll read it and you'll say, oh, I, I actually knew that, but you know what? It's still so valuable to read it black on white and say, oh, yeah. I really need that type of rest. So uh, just to give you kind of a, a look ahead, uh, those types of rest are um, physical rest, of course, mental rest, uh, sensory rest, creative rest, emotional rest, social rest, and spiritual rest. So there's a great article on uh, the TED site, and we'll link to that. And another article, uh, which is behind a paywall, so I hope you'll be able to enjoy it. But it's about someone who closed their restaurant, a chef who closed her restaurant. And she is talking about how closing her restaurant forced her to learn how to take care of herself. Um and I, you know, it couldn't have resonated more, really. Uh, going back to what I said at the top of the episode about grief and relief mixed together, I think that is very much the case here as well. Um, so hopefully uh, you'll find these helpful and maybe there'll be a jumping point to a conversation you have with yourself or with a friend. Or maybe they'll just help you feel a little bit less alone. Uh, I don't know, but I hope I hope it's helpful in some way. And I would love to hear, you know, how these two years have been for you in general and as it relates to work and as it relates to burnout and any other thing you would like to share with me. And let me know if you would like to hear more solo or team episodes. We're definitely excited about doing more of these sprinkled through our more traditional guest episodes. So let me know how it's been for you. And with that, I'll wish you a happy April, a fulfilling and not draining month. <laughs> and enjoy your spring. Thank you so much for being here. 
And don't forget to check out the newsletter as well. Bye. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week and I share thoughts, links, books, and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com, and I really hope to see you there, and of course, to see you here next week. Have a good one.